this the collections department of Nutter? <laughs> yes, you are familiar with that particular call. <laughs> so we have here um, Maddie, whose last name I'm bad on. Maddie? Carolian. Oh, that's right. Carolian. Yes. Okay. Maddie Carolian. Well, pop quiz for Mick. What podcast are we on? 41. Oh, that was for Mick. What would you have said? I would have said 38. 38? Yeah. Well, that was, yes, close. That was the last one I was on. (laughs) (laughs) Time had stopped. Okay, so our guest is Maddie Krolian, and we are, who are you? I'm Mick. And who's on the phone? Mark Thurman. And I'm Dave, and um, this is our our humble podcast. Well, depends on Maddie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she's under some pressure, but she is. She's looking nervous. Um, she's looking very. She nervous. looks very poised and confident. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> Not intimidated by the likes of you, David. No. So, Mark, do you have any idea why we're doing this call today? What's the topic? Uh, we're doing this call today because. Maddie is going to talk to us about the great things that she does. I thought she was going to talk to us about failure. Or that. No, no greatness comes without a little bit of failure, I think. So So very, very well said. Yeah, so background-wise, Maddie was, Maddie was interested in presenting at this program. Um, Mark, you know about this, in connection with the MIT Enterprise Forum. But we now... I know nothing about that program. I think I'm on the board. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, hello. <laughs> yeah. Mark is a very um, significant person in his own mind. Um, and apparently in the minds of whoever imported, uh, appointed him to the board. But uh, Maddie was going to do this uh, program with us uh, on uh, learning how to pitch to it angels. It reminds me of Mark Twain. Mark Twain used to always uh, say, whenever he met with Teddy Roosevelt, he always worked into the conversation his charge up San Juan Hill. And, and, uh, and so, therefore, it was just one of those things that, Mark keeps reminding us about his connections at MIT. He does. He does. It's getting wearing. Well, I tried to pre. I tried to preempt David from doing it. Yes, true. We do. We have to admit we keep doing it to him. We so, do set him up because it makes us look more important if we're with important people. So Maddie may have a chance to pitch to um, to some angels, well, real life it, angels. It's not up to you and I. It's up it's to not. the fabulous screening committee. That's oh. I was saying even before the screening committee. I mean, the screening committee itself constitutes angels. No? Yes. Do you guys know any angels? Uh, we know devils. devils. <laughs> <laughs> angels, no. Um, Wasn't there a television show called Touched by an Angel? Yeah, with that guy with the long hair. I do you remember that I, show? I do remember that show. With um, Michael Landon? Is uh, that his name? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. there was... Yeah. Three major characters. I, if I recall correctly, there was an Irish woman maybe, too. Who was that? I don't remember yeah, her name. Yeah, just remember him with the hair, <laughs> the hair, the 1980s hair. So what's the deal with um, PillPack? Because I don't think any of us know about it, except that it, it popped out of the news. Um, Pill, PillPack was bought by, uh, by Amazon. Yeah, PillPack was bought by Amazon. They're doing a lot of amazing work uh, helping people uh, adhere to their medication regimens better pill popping um and so well so what i mean you unscrew the top and you take a pill what did you do different than that 
Uh, so they package medications by the dose so that it's really easy to keep track of um, whether you've taken your medication. Well, and if you throw you the wrapper in the garbage can, you got to go through the garbage can to find the wrapper and see if I took my medication today? Uh, they're labeled based on the time and day. So oh, theoretically, right. if the one that's next in your role is uh, in the future, you're good to go. <laughs> Weren't there a ton of those companies, though, back in the day, or was this... There's why a would... lot of ways to skin that cat. Yeah. We've seen a number of them. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, so why... But they yeah. were obviously doing it better than most because right. Amazon... Bought doesn't them. buy things that they're not good, I don't think, do they? I don't think so. I think they were doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, were yeah. they in revenues when Amazon purchased them? Oh, yeah, for sure. And did they buy on a multiple of revenues? Uh, I actually ended up doing a lot of um, work ahead of time, but I'm not exactly sure what numbers went into the deal. They, they're not public. And what did that do with her? Is she working for the Philpac people? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, so you were number two, as I recall, in terms not number two. She was two almost employee. disqualified from the failure program yes. because of that activity. She was number two in accounting, she said. Is that correct? Oh. Yeah, I was the second finance hire. So, wow. so anyway, so how did that tell? Can to the extent you can talk about it, how did that acquisition happen? Um, you thought I probably this was about shouldn't you. talk about it too much um, since I didn't talk to their PR folks before yeah. going on the show. Do you still um, work there? No, I don't still work there. Okay. Um, well, but John Donald Trump says that you can violate <laughs> um, any NDA that is not signed by him. Sure. Um, but their team has been super supportive um, and it, it ended up being a great uh, kind of meeting of two organizations. That and they're helping to you finance your new business? Uh, the team there? Uh, some yes, there are a couple members at Pillpack who have angel invested. All right, that was his Columbo question. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wear my trench coat. Oh yes, true. Yeah. Do you know who Columbo is? Uh, if I recall correctly, a detective on a yeah. television show. Peter Falk. Look, yeah. this is not a quiz show led by three angry old men. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so what's the new business? Yeah, so I'm working on a company called Boundless. Uh, we launched in December, and we make it so that you can get a really affordable, customized rug for your space. Uh, so I had a really difficult time finding an area rug for my dining room at the home that my husband and I purchased uh, in Roslindale. Um, we threw away our Ikea and our hand-me-downs, and we were really excited to start uh, getting some adult furniture uh, for our space, and I couldn't find something that was the right combination of color, size, and design. Um, and so started talking to loom manufacturers and anyone in the textile industry who would speak to me um, and realized that there was a lot of underutilized technology out there that could make it so that everyone could get the rug that they actually wanted and needed for their space pretty affordably. Are you talking about little kids in Bangladesh that are weaving these rugs? No, they're all oh. made in America, um, oh. which is awesome. So um, Just like <laughs> make America great again. Good. Good. Yes. I've done my thing. <laughs> um, I don't think yeah, you so mentioned we're... Trump's name, did you? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, I did. Right. I did. I did mention Trump once about the NDA. Yeah. How I've that? heard that Good. there shouldn't be politics spoken on the show from the, the podcast that I listened you to. You are absolutely correct, Maddie. Thank we've... you very much for reminding us. <laughs> reminding the there are ground rules here. <laughs> I think we violate that each. We can each pound show. the table now, though. We used to not be able to pound. Yeah, the we could pound, pound the table now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so so why rugs though? And there must have been why rugs. Yeah. So it's a 
industry that hasn't seen a lot of innovation. Um, so there are some amazing kind of things going on behind the scenes as far as building new machines to make rugs more efficiently. Um, but from the customer facing experience, there has not been a lot of development. So people started kind of selling them online, but didn't really think about the user experience at all. And so right now you have kind of the option of, you know, my parents where you would go to like a mom and pop rug store down the street, Dover um, rug, which is me. not how millennials are buying things now. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, these online retailers that either have uh, kind of expensive, limited assortment, or these places that have 40,000 SKUs, which feels like totally overwhelming for a lot of people. Um, and you don't get a sense of what the, the colors and the texture are going to look like in real life. So part of what we do is we offer samples um, so that people can get that sense but that before still doesn't, they make the purchase. That doesn't, so let me just, let me just ask somebody on the street yeah. or maybe on the phone, Mark, if you were to think of starting a business, would you start a rug business? Uh, I, th he, I think maybe a toupee business would be good for, <laughs> for Mark. He's got it. We could use some hair. So the, the answer is I wouldn't because uh, I kind of ascribe to the old Peter Lynch excess fidelity uh, investing uh, maxim, which is only invest in things you know. And I don't know much about rugs. So um, I guess what I would say is um, it, if it's an unserved market, then sure. But how did you find that market? I took, it would have been the furthest well, she thing she said from she mine. was looking for herself and she couldn't find what she wanted. Yeah, yeah but I do that all the time. I, as, a, as a matter of fact, at home, I need something, some weird sort of screw to hold together some sort of weird uh, uh, fence gate we have. And there are not a lot of those things out there. I'm not going to start a company to create the damn thing. There's like a lot of issues mm. out there. How'd you pick that one? I, I think... That's really what it comes down to is that it was a problem for me. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I started like my background in finance. So day one, I built a model out based off of the, the limited information I could find online, found that it was something that could be a really profitable um, and large scale business. And then uh, started kind of calling around to see how I could make it happen and realized that it was it was definitely doable and did a lot of customer interviews as well to, to make sure that this wasn't just like a me problem um, and that this was kind of a universal rug shopping issue that it was a really difficult thing for a lot of people to find. Talk to a lot of interior designers. It's typically the hardest thing for them to source. Um, so that's kind of where how I decided that this was an industry worth pursuing. Well, so do you do polyester? No, um, we actually use nylon. So it's a super resilient fiber. Uh, no wool? No wool yet. Um, Cotton backing? Uh, polypropylene backing. So part of what's nice about it is in a lot of our customer interviews, we found that people wanted something that was really low maintenance uh, because they had dogs or they had cats or they had little kids or, or they had a roommate that drank a lot of red wine. Um, and so we wanted something that was going to be super easy for people to clean and take care of. They also cared a lot about price point, especially kind of in some of their first homes that they're decorating. Uh, because and they're what are your price points? Yeah, so we are consistent with about the 30% lowest price point for most of the branded options that are out there. So, so if I go to Ikea, 10, you, you can beat Ikea's price? No. No. <laughs> no. no. Only Mark can beat Ikea. <laughs> mm. 
Um, so an 8x10 is $579, which for a customized rug is super, super affordable. So tell me. So, so that's, well, I mean, that's any any style I want that within your 24 and any colors I want within your, how many, 36 or whatever. Yeah, called. yeah. So there are 25 designs. You pick the design that you want. You, we have 22 colors. You pick the colors that you want. And then as long as it's up to eight like 80 square feet it would be that price point and we have a couple different tiers for prices so we always say so 80 square feet i could do a one by 70. uh you could if you <laughs> wanted <laughs> no so you make them any size though right that's that's yeah. that's very unique yeah we can do up to 12 feet wide that's our one limitation um but there are few people out there that have homes that have rooms that are much bigger than 12 feet Correct. wide. <laughs> so right. so let's step back, because if we're not going to learn about failure, we should learn about something today. And um, tell, can you dig into the difference between the fabrics? Like, I understand what wool is. That comes off yeah. the back of, like, a an mm -hmm. eagle or something, right? Some sort yeah. of animal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it comes, it comes eagle wool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was that, Mark? It comes off of parrots. Parrots, right? <laughs> so, so we'll 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 just call them sheep for now, or whatever they whatever they are, cows. Um, but where does the polys? Um, those little polys running yeah, around. Yeah, What are those? <laughs> yeah, tell us about the what's the difference between polyester versus nylon versus whatever thing you were talking about to make well, about. Those are great sure, questions, sure. David. Yeah. Hey, yeah. See, we're going to learn something today. It's like baseball. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast long enough, you will learn very little. Yeah. So there are kind of three major characters categories so the first is wool and silk and those are super super premium very expensive typically what you're getting um, uh, silk is spider poop right yes that's okay. roughly what it is okay. um and so we just lost our family friendly rating <laughs> okay um and so but it's really pretty <laughs> it is. it's pretty poop. it's the most beautiful yeah um actually what our head of design tried to grow some silkworms in her locker when she was at RISD uh, it did not go well. So oh, really? I advise against trying to grow your own and she silk tried in chinchillas. your locker. Does that apply to hemp rugs too? Oh, hemp rugs. So that's kind of a third category. So those are less premium. So um, you've got wool and you've got silk. They're natural made fibers. Uh, they come from animals in a variety of different ways. They're Eagles, fur or parrots. they're poop. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And... Uh, you can make a great rug. Typically, those are going to be hand knotted, and so they're really they take months to make, and they're super expensive. Um, then you've got synthetics, uh, which have been developed over the last couple decades. And Nick ones... was around when the first um, the first synthetic was Rayon. invented, Rayon in nineteen thirty <laughs> something or other. Well, you maybe I was, wasn't. Uh, yeah, I was fourteen. <laughs> Change the game. Yeah. Um, okay, Rayon. Yeah. And so those are generally more affordable and um, typically easier to clean. Um, nylon is really great because it's a resilient fiber, and so you know how like when you put a chair on top of a rug. Um, and you take the chair off and you have that kind of like divot in, yeah. in the, the floor. Yeah. It's really good. Very hard to get those divots out. It is hard to get those divots out. There are some tricks involving spoons and ice cubes. How about a, uh, <laughs> a golf course divot remover? That doesn't work? Uh, I haven't tried that. Okay, so I we don't should know. try. We should try. Anyway, um, so I nylon know. divots. 
Or dense. It does not. So it's super resilient. So it will get a divot, but it will pop back up. And so like over time, it doesn't wear down as badly as some of the other options that are out there, like a polyester or polypropylene. Now, when you watch the old movies, because this is a movie episode, when you watch the old movies and there's like a fire going and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. the couple never has like a nylon rug down. They're always like natural fabrics. So these must be not comfortable. Uh... So like a jute or a Cecil, is that what we're talking Something. about? Something. Okay. I mean, I'm just assuming that eagle fur or whatever they put <laughs> in a wool rug. Um, so there, there's kind of think. these synthetics. And then there's a third category um, that we were talking about before, which are kind of natural, like Cecil, jute, um, seagrass, those types of things that have um, that are typically tan um, and are typically kind of a, a woven uh, texture. They're great for some spaces. They're less great for others. They actually stain relatively easily, which you wouldn't expect. Um, But I've had some conversations with people that like accidentally spilled hint water on like their jute rug and they were expecting it was going to come out because it is just basically water. Um, And it's like supposed to be a low maintenance rug and found that it just kind of stains. Are they Um, expensive? Are these natural ones expensive? So Cecil and and those types are not super expensive. They're actually pretty affordable. Um, And they're actually like a nice thing if you want a wool or an expensive rug, um, but you can't like buy one that's big enough to fill your whole space. You can kind of create a space using one of these like natural fiber rugs um, to go underneath and then put your like fancy hand knotted antique rug in kind of the center of the room. So, so what's the help? So this sounds like rug the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, the podcast. yeah. Sorry. Well, we'll get there. No, no, I love no, no, rugs. No, okay. I can't help we, it. So I'm sorry, polyester. One last question. It's a mix chomping at the bit there, but polyester versus nylon. What's the advantage? Yeah. So uh, it's more resilient, basically. Oh. How about nylon when is. a chip flops out of the fire? The oh, nylon yeah. burns really quick, doesn't it? Oh. Yeah. So they're not a good thing. I haven't tested that. Like all of our rugs have been tested uh, for flammability purposes. Do they pass? Yeah, but I haven't. Good. Um, Good to check. Good to check. um, But I haven't tried lighting one on fire myself personally. But it might be a fun experiment. But at the prices she charges, you could get another one. (laughs) (laughs) You could. Um, Okay, so you went. You decided for some weird reason to get into rugs, and then what happened? Uh, and you did your market studies. Yep. I so. talked to a lot of consumers, figured out what their pain points were, and then uh, started talking to loom manufacturers and other machine manufacturers. Um, well, did you go to North Carolina or South Carolina, or where did you go to the loom manufacturers? Uh, so those folks I mostly talked to on the phone um, and then realized that we wanted to use a manufacturing partner as opposed to doing our own manufacturing at first. Um, started kind of talking to lots of manufacturers. The carpet capital of America is kind of the road between Atlanta, Georgia, and Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there are a bunch of rug manufacturers in that area. It's not Grand Rapids, Michigan? It is not. Oh, it's surprising. Okay. Um, And so found a really awesome family-owned business that was kind of the appropriate size that they were willing to do something a little bit outside the ordinary, but big enough that they were going to be able to meet our customers' needs. Uh, and started uh, working on a bunch of designs with them. So, yeah. So, uh, are people involved in making rugs or it's all mechanized now? 
so it's a little bit of both. So uh, a lot of the tufting happens by machines at this point. What so, is tufting? Yeah, tufting is essentially you take a backing material, which is kind of looks like a piece of fabric, but um, it's a little bit more sophisticated than that. And then you poke it with a bunch of uh, yarn with yarn needles essentially and then the yarn goes through the backing and then you put a, a material on the back of it to hold it all together which is the tufting uh the tufting is the act of putting the uh needle through the, the, the needle with oh, the yarn so through the when, backing when mark had his what are they called hair job done when he had the hair yeah. implanted in his head that's they did they tufted hair into his head that's i would assume so it's very similar or it's like uh, uh an ear piercing gun kind of look as far as the podcasting audience is concerned i have a full head of healthy dark hair <laughs> that's why he sounds like he's on the phone right now is he that didn't why want, he's on yes, the phone yes, i see i see yes. Um, okay, so so that's so you face, talk. I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. This is very serious. So you spoke with a bunch of loom manufacturers because you were going to put a loom in your basement. Yes, basically, and then I found out that they were they required twenty four foot ceiling, so it was a little bit out out of the question for my Roslindale home. Um, but I realized that like pretty quickly, we wanted someone that knew what they were doing before um, we started making our own. Oh, that's right. When you you talk to the family businesses yeah 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 okay and what sort of deal i mean we don't want to know the deal but the point is if you found a major manufacturer they didn't need your business at all you wanted somebody who needed your business but could keep up with your demands exactly okay so did you like get a lot of barbecue when you were down there or is this by phone surprisingly not that amazing of a barbecue scene in the area really? so that was a bummer do you um, not like the vinegar sauce uh, um i have tried a couple barbecue places down there but they're all chains which is weird so oh. i i don't know i've spent a lot of time in chattanooga and chattanooga has amazing food uh but haven't found a great barbecue option there mick have you i haven't been to chattanooga <clears throat> how about but, in arizona they got good barbecue there sure sure very good so there. Barbacoa, we call it in Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah, it's close to <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> um, so then what happened? Oh, Mick's got it. I was like, Mick, well, Mick has no, something I was witty. Just, I'm, I'm curious about, there was a pivot done that you're talking about, and that was when you did what? Yeah, so we initially launched with one type of manufacturing that we were plant we were expecting was going to be the way that people wanted their rugs. Um, basically, the... Yarn gets dyed uh, before it even becomes, basically the fibers of nylon get dyed even before they become a yarn. So like the dyeing process happens super early on. Um, and so what we were finding was we had limited colors. So we had to use most of the, this technology is actually used in the hospitality industry. So um, these machines are typically used for the rugs that you see in hotels and airports that you're like, where in casinos, like, where did they get that crazy I, rug? Usually they have wall-to-wall -wall carpet in those places. Yes, so. exactly. Um, and so those machines are typically used for that application. Um, and so we were limited to colors that were popular in hospitality, which are a little less fun than what you want to have in your actual home. Uh, and so when we launched, we found that, and the pile height is a little bit shorter than you would probably want in your home as well. And so what we found was like, we were limited in colors. People didn't love the colors that much. And then like when they felt it, they were like, this isn't quite as soft as we want. Um, so we decided really early on that we wanted to pivot, um, so that we could do 
a different type of manufacturing where we would create kind of this proprietary base um, and then it would be the yarn would be dyed after we get the order in. Now, was it dyed after they put the hairs in the Mark's scalp? Exactly. Is that the point? Exactly, yes. Oh, okay. As okay. opposed to inserting the right colored hairs directly it, into his okay, head. Okay, so I what, see. how did you Can know? Can I change the hair color based on my mood? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it I does, wish. It does that automatically. Don't you remember the mood? You got the mood hair version. Um, keep going. Mick's got uh, another witty yeah, question. Well, no, uh, it's not too witty, uh, but the, the idea that um, the um, your pivot occurred because you weren't selling any or you sold a few? We were selling and, some, but... But people um, didn't like them enough? We wanted it to be that people would get the sample and not be able to turn down a rug. And so we got worked on getting a lot of feedback from well, people. I guess that the... was my question then. So you were sending out samples mm -hmm. and they would say no. Or they would say, we're thinking about it. Or, or they would say crickets, basically. Um, and so it was digging in with those folks um, and any customer inquiries. Like, we're very open on our website that we just, like, want as much feedback as we can get. Um, so people asking for greens and people asking for a higher pile height and things like that. Why didn't this come out in market research? Um, so I think some of it was related to my own biases and part mm. of it was related to the fact that um, our manufacturer could not or was not at the place where they would be. That was the early manufacturer, not your present manufacturer. So it's the same manufacturer. Oh, all right. Um, you should sue them. Uh, so they just weren't um, at a place where they were kind of going to create this proprietary base for us at that point like and what they were using with this machine was that it was like was for a different type of rug that was like super low pile and didn't look very luxurious do you do a high low shag we do not do a high low shag <laughs> oh, right. um we do a very moderate half inch pile that like works in most homes and so we wanted something like that, Mick, that this was is gonna... a Mick, this is a family show what do you ask <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we wanted something that felt really good, looked really good, um, and they did not have that as a product offering. And so we had to develop that with them. Um, and it kind of was not an option when we first started our relationship with them. Did they have to buy a new machine or they, their existing machine would convert? Their existing machines are working for what we're doing, which is great. Uh, it took a couple iterations of uh, working on this base pile to get it right, but we, we got it to a place where we're really excited about it. How do you dye the um, material after it's um, in the substrate or in the base? Yeah, so it is a very large, complicated machine um, that basically has a ton of tiny jets with lots of different colors. It's a big inkjet printer. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, but then uh, it goes through an additional machine where it presses it into the fibers, so it gets like a really good like dye penetration. Like a um, chair, like a chair uh, leg going on the. <laughs> no. No, no. So wait a minute. So is the but is the color as that was attempt attempt poor attempt. Um, was it is the color as fast through that technique as it would be if you did the dye before weave or dye before. Yeah. Yeah. So it works in just about every application and you can still use like bleach on it if you really need to, that kind of thing. Um, it, it works. So well, say that again. You, what about bleach? You could use bleach on it and it will, will stay. You mean the color will stay yeah. through bleach? Yep. Wow. Mm. That's unusual, isn't it? That'd be a selling point. Yeah. Is that true of most rugs? 
Um, most for, that are designed for this application, yeah. Why don't people make uh, clothing out of that? Because then if you spill ketchup on it, you just put it in a bath of bleach. Uh, I don't know. Well, we have a new product. <laughs> what if the market is for that? Mark, would you buy a shirt that you could throw into a bath of bleach and get rid of all the stains you get on it over lunch? No. <laughs> okay, no market. Let's get a new shirt. Okay, so that was the pivot. So um, how costly was that, roughly? Um, mostly it was to the a nearest cost uh, million of dollars time. Okay. Um, and so that was the the biggest oh. problem was we were like super pumped to launch. We're like ready to go. And then we like realized pretty quickly that we need to make this change. Um, and so it's just a bummer when you're like excited to be in the market to be like, oh, it's time for us to like kind of take a pause, really get this product to where the, the market wants it to oh. be and, and go from there. Huh. So on the Bicycle Podcast, he talked about um, our guest then went to market with, remember this, Mark? Uh, Mick doesn't because do. he, he refused to listen to the podcast because he wasn't I'm, there. I'm, I'm, I'm into, I'm into 27 now. I haven't gotten to He's 27. catching up. Yeah. But remember he went, came out, Mark, with like 10 of them or something, that all, all the same color? And with the leather, with the leather uh, handlebar wraps, and uh, he realized the market didn't want a bicycle that was going to be outdoors with leather handlebar handlebar wraps. Henry Ford said, "Any color you want, as long as it's black." black. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you went through the same thing, but that turned out to be valuable for him, and apparently it worked for you Wait as a minute, well. So she's only making black rugs. <laughs> <laughs> leather black rugs, yes, yes. Okay. And you spill black ink on them, you can't even tell. <laughs> so how the market respond to the the new rugs? Yeah, so people are loving them. Um, we actually ended up transitioning a lot of people or a couple people that bought rugs in the first under the first product iteration into the second, and they all loved it even better, which is great. Um, so so far so good. So and there's a real market in rugs, eh? Yeah. Yep. Custom rugs. Um, yeah. So I think basically what we're trying to do is make this the way that people buy rugs generally. Uh, we don't want to be just a custom rug company. Uh, I think there's a lot of difficulty getting the rug that you want. And why would you like compromise for something that's not exactly what you're looking for? If you can get it for almost the same price and get it bespoke to your space and hmm. the, yeah. your specification. That's a question. Why would you? David. <laughs> well, I'm struggling because I know that where we are, we, uh, in my house where there are a lot of birds and dogs that have accidents, um, we would just pick up any rug that looked like it would work right now. Sure. Um, and that we're not, yeah, obviously so not your it, customer. How did dogs and your rugs get along fine? They're easily cleaned? Uh our friend's cat has vomited on one of our rugs multiple times, and so we far, so good. We save on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, so far, so good on the bodily functions front. Uh, and I think uh, I've heard stories about people spilling like whole things of cocoa powder onto the rugs and being able to get it out. So. So far, so good on the stain front. Pour hot water on it, and then you squeeze out the rug. And well, I thought you just pour, uh, go to Costco or wherever and buy a big bottle of bleach. <laughs> dump, so dump much fun. Out. Why are we doing this to our rugs? Yeah. <laughs> Be nice to Okay, to so the rug. when you say we, are you? who is we? Yeah, so uh, I am the CEO. Uh, we have a head of marketing who is totally awesome, and uh, her name's Kibby, and she's doing a lot of the customer acquisition side of things. Uh, and then we have a team member who's our head of design, and she's actually at uh, 
MIT right now, getting her MBA. Um, but her background is she was classically designed as a textile designer at RISD and then worked for a big brand doing rug design there. Hmm. Rug design? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. There are people who do that. There are people that do that. Um, do they ever talk to the people who do like sheet design, like the Mary Mecco sheets or however uh, you pronounce that? I think, yes, they they are similar groups of people. Big, gra- uh, yeah, big graphic <laughs> designs. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I actually found her, loved all of her designs, like all the rugs that I loved most in the world had been designed by this one person. And I reached out to her and uh, she said, oh, I moved to, to Boston last week. I'm starting my MBA. And I was like, perfect. Um, so that was really serendipitous. That is awesome. <laughs> so Mark and Mick, do you believe there's a market in this? Well, yes. I go to Turkey and Morocco to buy all my rugs. <laughs> so That's amazing. Because it's so much fun. I mean, the rug merchants are absolutely hilarious. They are so good. And you always walk out with a bunch of rugs. Mark, just... Mark you do the same, don't you? Uh, I, every day I go, I go to Turkey and Morocco. <laughs> oh, but do you think there's a market here? Mark? Market? No, I, I actually do. I, I mean, I, I think this is, again, I can't, I'm trying to draw a linkage in my head to the, to the pill pack business. Um, and, and there maybe, Good luck. <laughs> maybe, maybe there isn't one, but, um, no, I mean, look, I mean, there are companies that, you know, you take a picture of yourself and you get, you know, a bespoke, a shirt or, or blazer or pair of pants. So why not, you know, have your have your own rug made for yourself? I mean, why not? Well, that's this is not not quite that because you can't just send them a design. You have to use their one of twenty four designs. Is that well, correct? Yeah, but essentially but, you get to pick what you want. Suppose right? you have people that really are screwed up on colors, they're colorblind or they're not conversant in colors, and they give you a rug that they say, "I want a rug that's pink and green and orange and red and uh, you know whatever." And, you say, no, we refuse to do that. Uh, so we've thought about this a lot, and we definitely want to create more tools on our site to recommend color combinations. I think with the new colors, we actually, they are a little bit more, um, I think they're a little bit easier to mix and match than the old ones, uh, because some of the old ones were a little muted and grayed out and didn't look great together. Um, so we're really excited that, that most people can use these colors pretty effectively. Um, but yeah, there's potential that there are some ugly rugs out there and that, that does keep us up at night a little well, bit. Well, if you have an inkjet printer effectively as the thing that does the dyeing, why don't you allow people to send you pictures? You know how people, you can send a picture and get a cake made? Why can't you make a rug? So we're building a brand. Uh, and so part of that is creating a curated collection and making it so that people can get things that look really good without uh, having to think a lot about it. And so so that's a lot of what it is. But Ben & Jerry's has made a brand and they have, you can still do a custom cake with them, right? A custom ice cream cake and that hasn't detracted from that brand. Like I can walk in and get the cakes they have. Or the, uh, and care, what is so it? So you're not Caravel? creating the recipe for the ice cream. You are mixing and matching, just like you're mixing and matching colors in a design that we've created. Hmm. Okay. okay but are the designs, are they standard type patterns or are they uh, modernistic? Or And I guess I'll have to look at your website to see what they look like. But By the way, quick pitch, what's the website? Uh, boundlessrugs.com. Check it out. 
Uh, <laughs> Do you have to put check it out on there too, or just boundlessrugs.com? Well, the check it out free. <laughs> slash check it out. Slash check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we spent a lot of time looking at what was popular in interior design, especially for millennials, to get a sense of what were the rugs that we were seeing most frequently, um, so that we could get a lot of people excited about what we were offering, um, and then created a rug for each of those major categories uh, with still keeping kind of a brand's perspective as far as like what looks good. And so they look really cohesive, but there's something for everyone. There's there's more modern designs, there's more beautiful like traditional kind of Persian inspired designs. Tartan plaids. There is a plaid rug. <laughs> yes. So you can get a plaid rug if you'd like. Is she a Persian-esque rug? Um, I saw a Persian-esque rug. Yeah, so... Well, you know, the tartan plaids, there's a variety of styles and colors, you know, so you could... <laughs> as long as they're green. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, this pod, so I, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, you first. I was just I'm going to cough about like Mark that, would do. You know, you were you were a bean <clears> camera in the pill factory, <laughs> and and huh. but you seem like a marketing person to me. Well, thank you. <clears throat> uh, I chose a major during a little bit of a difficult economic time. Um, 2008. Another kind of pivot. <laughs> this was another kind of pivot. Um, I went to school at Georgetown. I entered as a sociology major. Did you play basketball or not? Uh, I did not. You're I have tall. no hand-eye coordination. Oh, right. um, the only sport I've done is Nordic skiing in high school, and that I would not. That's similar to at. basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, I started as a sociology major, knew that I loved numbers, and wanted to to go to the business school. So started pursuing that path. Uh, I was choosing between a finance and an accounting major, and the big recession happened and I was like, cool, like accounting is where the jobs are going to be. Things are, the regulatory environment is going to get harder and harder. And uh, this seems like a super good path. And I've learned so much being you an could accountant. Walk over to, you could walk over to the Capitol from your Georgetown, right? Uh, it was a long walk, but you could. Um, but I did a lot of and studying at the Library of Congress. there's people over crunching numbers. Yeah. Oh. So our, our, uh, our once co-host, Susan... Yeah. When she could not talk about failure. Talked about, actually, she was on that podcast that you she heard. Was. She was. Um, she's Where's also, Susan? She is at Techstars right now. Mm-hmm. She's a, becoming a star or is a star. We hope <laughs> at Techstars. Manny, do you know her? Uh, I've met her a few times. Oh, now. you did? Oh, good. Okay, yeah. good. So she avoided, um, studiously avoided talking about failure mm-hmm. um, and instead talked about how she would avoid failure. Mm-hmm. So could you choose between those two, either failure, and Mick calls the pivot of failure, and, and so had you earlier, but Mark and I dismissed that. We laugh. <laughs> um, and so can you talk about avoiding failure or failure? or? Yeah. yeah I still have, by the way, I've looked at the website before she answers. It looks beautiful. I haven't heard in the, whatever, 20-some-odd minutes of, of our discussion. By the way, I'll probably want to buy a rug because they're, they're, they're gorgeous. Thank you. Uh, seriously. Um, but where's the failure in this thing? Yeah, well, that's where we're going. Yeah, so we need some failure. We need we have a hungry audience of what one or a half now. They probably left. <laughs> we have, maybe have no audience, but somebody wants to know about failure, and it would include at least one of us. Well, the great wise man Solon, in talking to Croesus, Croesus, holy smokes. who was the richest man in the world. Yeah, this is bad. He said, me. "You know, I'm the richest, happiest guy in the world. You know, you know, and don't you agree?" And so on. I said, "No, I, said, I can't, because you don't know until you die whether you're really successful or a failure." 
You, so, yeah. Okay. So what's the so time the period in, for this? The in, the in period is, you know, that's when you die, then they can say, oh, okay, he was a success or she was a failure. So what's your point? The point is, is that when you ask about a pivot or whatever, or a company, it's either getting ready to fail <laughs> and needing or, another pivot. Or it has failed. Uh, or she'll sell it and start another one that may fail. Well, so. how about avoidance of failure? I is figured that... out the failure here. The failure is the last question that Mick just asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did fail. Um, how about avoiding failure? Yeah, I think... That was Susan's favorite. <laughs> I think there are two things there. The first is uh, when you can have a plan B. Um, and so when... Who hits the fan? Like you've got something else lined. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, spider or worm poo, otherwise known as yeah. silk. Yeah. Um, when the poo hits the rug. <laughs> yes. Poo when hits it the rug. Hits the rug. Um, you have a second plan, basically, and so being ready with that is is always great to do. And so then. Um, you know, something didn't work and one might consider that a failure, but it's not the end all and be all of it. It's you have the next plan in place and you're ready to act on it. And I think the other thing is just kind of having a good attitude about when things don't work. Um, One thing that I pride myself on is that like when something doesn't work, it's just like go into action and figure out the next thing. Um, Like one time for our first photo shoot, for whatever reason, after multiple conversations and a call sheet that had the correct date our photographer mixed up the dates of our photo shoot and so we got there we were ready for load in and uh i called him and he said wait it's tomorrow and i said no 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 it's today and so um he was able to get his stuff together but in the meantime i thought you're gonna get out your phones here we go (laughs) <laughs> calling every photographer that I knew had my husband go home and get his like DSLR camera like we were figuring out how to do it as quickly as possible rather than just kind of shaking our heads and going oh no what do we do now so when you mean you had all the samples dressed up with their suits and ties <laughs> yes exactly I mean, why would it matter uh so we had rented studio space for, uh, for an inanimate object yeah yeah you you have oh. to make the rugs look good uh, <laughs> you get like a, what do you do for that? <laughs> <laughs> we had like a model lined up um, to do oh, some, some interior shots. Oh. Uh, we had rented another uh, oh. beautiful home in Wellesley. Um, and so there was a lot, oh, there's a lot really? that goes into kind of any photo shoot and, and we really needed to make it work. And <laughs> fortunately he like just kind of like put on his pants and ran out the door oh. and like got there um, and canceled some of his plans. But uh we were ready to go. It was just with his kid's else. birthday party, so it was okay. <laughs> yes. And so, I, Mark, do you see any of those photos on the website? Mick and I are without technology here. <laughs> yeah, no, I've looked at it. I like I like a lot of the, the rugs. The website's. Which one? Funny. Which one would you buy, Mark? Uh, the one that looks like um, it's on the far left. It, it, <laughs> it looks like a, a, a Chinese character almost. That's one of our best performing rugs. Um, a rug can perform. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. People love that rug. Uh, it's a great rug. So I, I'm glad you like so it. So what Chinese character is it? Uh, it is not specifically a Chinese character. It is a piece of art uh, that was done by a woman named... Uh, um, I'm spacing on her last name, but um, her name's Deborah, um, and she's an artist that lives down in Connecticut, and she does a lot of beautiful um, kind of black ink uh 
art pieces. But it roughly translates to if you have to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> well, you could talk to your one of your... Or you spill it and you own to, it. One of your tojos or jojos or whatever they are. <laughs> dojos. And dojos and see you what he would say. Yeah, yeah so this means happiness. This means, means um, I'm going to kick your rear Yeah, in. it means a hip, major hip throw. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so the only thing that continues to bother me, knowing absolutely nothing, is whether this thing's scalable. I just, I'm, I am struggling with this and so is mick i can tell him look at him he is he's sweating at the brow now just thinking about how is this business going to go anywhere right if you can sell it there's always somebody that'll make it <laughs> so but nothing happens until something's sold so yeah well she's selling but i just i'm struggling yeah so mark will buy one so that'll help so is this a lifestyle business or do you you want See, to I sell told it? you the, i told it, you it looks like it, to me I, let me jump in it looks like it would scale Oh, because I'm sorry. You're, you know, yeah, of course. You're curating a bunch of designs. You could make some custom, you know, orders as part of that, or pick a, you know, a design or scale it different, you know, or you know, check the size or whatever. It looks, it looks no, like no. a t-shirt business. So, mis- misspoken like question. I didn't mean scale. I meant, I think I meant, why is there more than a lifestyle business here? Which means, why are there enough sales here? Yeah, so the rug industry is $6.5 billion uh, in the United States, and more and more of that is moving online. Um, I think. But you, that's when you throw a category like that, does that mean area rugs, or you're talking about carpeting, or are you talking about that's Florida? That's just area rugs. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So that's um, good because we always, people throw out numbers, the market's this big. And well, I thought it included a rug on Mark's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's even bigger, that market. <laughs> That's yeah. A, yeah. Oh, so anyway, $6.9 billion in area 6. rugs. 6.5, yep. Hard to uh, believe. What do people do with all that? Are there birds and dogs pooping all over them and throwing <laughs> them out? That's part of it. Um, and so that's a, a decent sized market. Uh, there isn't really a go-to brand uh, for area rugs. That was one of the things that we found in our customer interviews was just like, what's what's your number one rug shop and no one really had one um so Hmm. that's another element of it uh the last thing is that uh there's a lot of possibility in home decor so rugs are where we're starting with because they're the hardest thing to find for a lot of people um, and they have a really oversized impact on the look of a space uh but home decor is a 114 billion dollar market and so there are other opportunities kind of within um okay would your rugs be suitable for a wall hanging like if you say they would be too heavy for that um which is really nice for your floors because they're not going to shift around a lot like um heavy in what sense heavy in terms of design or heavy in terms of weight nails that i can hammer into the wall (laughs) exactly what do you mean so one category of rug that we didn't really talk about was a flat weave rug so there are durries and flat weave rugs that are really popular that are are quite thin um and they look really good in photo shoots but then when you get them in your home they buckle and they move around and they slip and that's no good and so um Except, except if you're neighbor hits one and you don't like your neighbor <laughs> your rug yeah. isn't super heavy but it's heavy enough that like it's not you don't need a pad with your time. rug um for like a runner or a smaller size you probably would want a rug pad but for a bigger bigger size rug you don't need it. so what's the deal with the wall thing i don't mix mix was a fair question um why couldn't you put them on a the fair wall? question it was, well, it was a, a great question oh, <laughs> it, was a, it was it was a middling question <laughs> i but. mean you could but they are not um, but are the designs such that you go wow that's a really cool design yeah. and i put it on my wall I yeah used to. yeah so yeah. what's the okay. issue um it's just i think the mechanism for hanging it would need to be relatively robust um, nails 
Especially if it's an apartment where you don't have to worry about that. No, I'm serious. <laughs> but you could hang them on the wall and they look good enough to do that. They look good enough to do that. I wouldn't recommend it with these rugs. If we get into other uh, types of materials and things like that, it might okay. be a good option. Okay. You've climbed a few walls in your day. I, <laughs> I've fallen off a few roofs. My knee still now. hurts. <laughs> yes. Um, so, oh yeah. So well, I'm still, I'm still not. Oh, so what did anyone no, have an I'm answer just, on the size just of the market? No, I'm thinking about the, you know, the idea is, is you look at multiple shots on goal when you have a company. Yeah. So these could be rugs, could be wall hangings, which you said no. Well, so um, the, so I guess the size yeah. makes a lot very versatile. Uh, would they be good for a padding on a bench or putting on a anything else that would be decorative? Yeah, I think we would probably opt for a different product category. And so like if it's drapery, that might make sense. If it's pillows, if it's benches, like those are other categories that we would probably get into and use similar technology to be able to get into those. Um, but we're starting with rugs. How would you convince um, an investor that they're who, if they're like us, or at least me, they're just skeptical of the, I mean, the market size does sound huge, but there is just something about rugs. Maybe it's just me. Mark, am I missing something? Probably. I, I, don't, I, I don't think this is about rugs. I mean, you look at Wayfair, um, it, it's about, you know, easily, it's, a li it's, it's lifestyle, not from the, you know, is this a lifestyle company, but, uh, you know, in terms of, is this a way to make a living? But, you know, this is like, an, this seems to fit in the category of a Wayfair, which is, I can easily get something really cool and really nice sent to me and get it sort of the way I want it. Um, I think it's, it fits the, you know, sort of e-commerce model for the Gen Wires. You know, uh, it, I mean, the prices were, were extremely reasonable. And no, I'm not a paid uh, uh, advertisement uh, for this thing. But I just looked at Are it. Are you expecting payment, though? <laughs> <laughs> Ditto to everything he just said. <laughs> I, so I see this as a I'm scalable struggling. business. I, I'm sure she could get into some other lines of business, as discussed. But, you know, um, make it really easy for someone to get a, a really cool rug sent to your house. I don't know. That's okay. What that's is like? I mean, it, it, maybe that's the linkage to the pill business. The pill business was I, I take the, you know certain kinds of medications every day and I want to have it packaged up and sent to me, you know, so that I remember to take it every week. Well, that sounds like a very useful thing, though. Not that rugs aren't. roll up the pills in a rug. No. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's, it's interesting because do you, what is your cost of customer acquisition? Have you calculated that? Yes, and that is not something that I want to talk about publicly at this point. Okay. Then, then what is your... Don't worry, nobody listens to the podcast <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what is your lifetime value of that customer? Because you're selling them a rug that wouldn't wear out for maybe 10 years or 12 years. So you've gone to all the effort of getting that customer in the door, sold him a rug he's he or she is really tickled to death with. But now what do you do for an encore? So we've already had a second purchase um, from one so. of our first customers. Mm. So another rug? Yes, another rug. Not a so they have multiple rooms, so you think there can be multiple <clears throat> purchases. All I right, do. well, that's, that's a pretty good answer. But and if you have a customer again, who likes that's you, that's analogous to Wayfair. You you buy one thing on there if the service is good and if it was easy and within your price range, you just keep buying. So as long as she has, uh, you know, a pipeline of other offerings to sell to that customer list. Uh, you well, know, that was what I was getting good. to. The other offerings are another rug for another room. 
Is that okay. it? For now, and then it's other categories within home decor. Oh, or, right. or she could, you know, so what would be your second category that you would go into? Oh, yeah, so it could be drapery, that. it could be pillows. Like we need to do the figure out the unit economics around it. Um, I think it's a it's more difficult to do a cut and sew operation in the United States than um, a rug tufting business. Um, so we need to figure out what the the UE is around that and figure out how to do it ethically um, and the way that we and a quality that we want to give How our about customer. sheets and uh, linens? Yeah, like, I think we would want to focus on things that you'd want to customize. So your oh. your sheets, maybe you not, yeah, but not. a duvet cover, perhaps. Yeah. Um, those types of things. Oh. You know what I mean? Um, so hmm. I think, like, there are other product categories. Also, people are redecorating so their like homes. So like a reverse Etsy. Kind of. And, and I think it's making it not so... Uh, arduous for the person that they have to make their own design uh because a lot of people like like you were saying like i want to send you a picture and you make a rug of it i think a lot of like there are some websites that you can kind of do whatever you want but i think that curation is valuable to a lot of people and so um figuring out how to help people pair things too like so you sold them a rug like these are some awesome drapes that will go with it they're not too matchy matchy but they look amazing together um, have you considered a make america great again rug <laughs> uh. <laughs> maybe for the fourth of july um, <laughs> you could show a little like a military parade along the bottom yeah. Well, your manufacturer only manufactures rugs, right? Yes. No, no fabric. Correct. Okay, so you'd have to get a new supplier for your drapery business. Sure. Okay. Hmm. But it, it seems to me that you would want contrasting pillows in the room with your rug. Sure. So that seems like an obvious place to go. Mm-hmm. Then Mick, this, Mick, this is a side of you I, I, I don't think I really ever knew. <laughs> Well, I'm, and I'm not going to just show it to you completely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think another thing is that um, when you survey people who are a little bit older, um, say, uh, in House Beautiful, um, mm. they say, I redecorate my home every, like, 10 years. And then you look at a pop sugar survey that says, like, how often do you decorate your home, which is a, a younger demographic. And they say, I'm redecorating my room every one year. And so um, I, I don't think people are buying rugs every year. Um, hopefully they do. Um, but I think there, it's somewhere in between there. Well, so there is my wife, when she buys purchase. anything, it, she has to buy everything else because that screwed up something that moved it. It didn't look right, and then so we thought it was going to be perfect, and then said no. But now we got a new couch. Okay, now I got to. She's figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. figured out yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I guess the um, the avoidance of the question about your cost of customer acquisition—that's a—that's an important question. And you, you're frowning. I can tell, so you don't like <laughs> this question. But the idea is, is that. If I'm an investor, I need to know that kind of things because well, she didn't not say so she much of what it is. Investor. Yeah, what yes, it is. that's a, a she, question I'm very clear. happy to talk about yeah, with an investor. Not, <laughs> yes, this is a, a public podcast for the one person who listens <laughs> no, to right. it. Yeah, no, I mean, like a fair, it's a fair this point. This is a number that we're thinking about a ton, um, yeah. and it's certainly something that I'd be happy to talk to you about offline. <laughs> we'll tell Mark to cover his ears. <laughs> okay, well, like I said, that again then goes to your costs of customer acquisition. What do you do with them once they got them? and what their lifetime value is and that sort of thing because it, it really seems like you could maybe capture these people and you've got to, you know, somebody goes to the trouble of doing this and going through your deal, 
they got to you somehow, and then they did this, you seems like you ought to pick them clean and figure out all the other things that you can do with them. And well, that's, them. yeah, oh, this is great. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> from, the, from the horse's mouth. Um, well, these are not, you know, entirely my concepts. These are no. concepts that are utilized in the business all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So hopefully they're not strange to her, but they don't seem to be. So she's comfortable with them. That's good. So, Mark, do you want to bring this to a close? Well, again, it doesn't sound like a failure. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, we failed. No, that's fine. I, I can say that in the last 40 or so podcasts, we've talked about fish, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, seed. And I'm not penalizing Dave before you roll your eyes and say anything. I had already rolled them. I figured as much. We've gone from fish to bicycles to bras to now rugs. I mean, what what more can we talk about? This could be the last podcast. Spider poop. You just never know. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing you said, David, because Spider poop. one of our members said at the last screening commission, where do you see stem cells, uh, CRISPR, and dog diarrhea in the same oh, that's meeting? True. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yes, you missed the dog diarrhea, Mark. <laughs> yes, true. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think I missed any aspect <laughs> of that. No, well, it was interesting. Um... Well, thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Maddie. That was terrific. All right, Mark. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye, Mark. I didn't record that. <laughs>